Hey guys, it's me, Sam Oser. I know it has been a while, um, three months to be exact, um, but I'm back and I'm here now. So um, the reason I'm here is, well, one, jo uh, Jordan is on vacation, on a much needed vacation, because it's largely been him and Jen uh, uh, doing a lot of the live videos. Um, and another reason, like, why why my hiatus? Well, about three months ago, I was unemployed. Um, I got laid off. And, um, you know, <laughs> I came to figure out that without a structure, my depression gets worse. So that was fun, having to deal with that. Um, after about a month of being a blob on the sofa, you know, still applying for jobs but not getting anything, I decided to go volunteer with the local um, Pacifica news station. So I've been doing that and now I'm back on the ball and I'm here now. So yay. Let me see if this has gone like live, if it's actually working because I never know when this thing works. Hey, it's working. Okay, cool. So because I'm not Jordan, I don't know if I'll actually have people in the chat and that's okay so we're gonna dive straight into what's going on so the first thing I really want to talk about is an ex-Clinton consultant is a spokesperson for the Children's Detention Center for a Southwest Key Children's Detention Center so that's the first thing we're going to talk about I'm going to take you over here excuse the trippiness oh wrong one and we're over here. Okay, so I wrote this. I wrote this at 90.1 KPFT, but ex-Clinton consultant is spokesperson for Houston's Children's Detention Center. Now, I put Houston, but it's, you know, Southwest Key. He is the uh, spokesperson for this group. So earlier this year, Southwest Key Programs, a children's detention center, was planned to be in Houston, blah, blah, blah. While this process has been contentious, Jeff Eller, a spokesperson for the Children's Detention Center, has been an overlooked common thread in these discussions. Now, I want to click this link so you can see here's Southwest Key Programs, the Children's Detention Center. And you can see down here at the very bottom, there's his name, right? News Media Contact. He is listed as a news media contact. So, make that very clear. Jeff Eller Group, the firm that he's founded, is a crisis management firm. He does a decent job of outlining the basics of his political collection, uh, connections. The leadership section says he did communication strategies for multiple leading corporations as the Firestone, Tire Recall, and GM Ignition Switch issue. Um, the website also states, he began working for then-Governor Clinton in December 1991 first as a Florida State Campaign Director, and then as Political Communications Director for the National Campaign. He has been involved in numerous Congressional and Senate campaigns and worked for two members of Congress. Serving in the Clinton White House as Deputy Assistant to the President and Director of Media Affairs. Eller oversaw all regional and specialty media relations as well as uh, television services. 
So this is where it gets really fun. Uh, very, really like, wow, <laughs> what the hell. Uh, WikiLeaks released the Podesta emails in 2016, and in an email correspondence with Eller regarding his career, he says he worked like his clients were Goldman Sachs, Lockheed Martin, and Northrop Grundman. Um, you know, they are widely known war profiteers. So attached to his email to John Podesta was his resume. So this dude, he started off, here, I'm going to come back over here so you can see my face. This dude started off as a reporter, okay? Like, we're going to go through his resume, and I'm going to break down his career before he went to into crisis management. But he was a reporter. He started off in radio, and his last job was an ABC correspondent uh, covering, uh, like, events high high scale events and trials like i'm really excited about this so excuse me kind of like just getting all over the place but it's bullshit oh my gosh okay so again uh we're gonna go back excuse the trippiness we're gonna go back over here so uh he was a reporter up until 1985 with abc and he was a news anchor covering federal court elections and look i have his resume right here we're going to pop it open. Attachments, resume. We're going to go to his last. Um, see, reporter anchor for ABC affiliate. This is in 1985. And then that's when he launched himself into congressional stuff. So the. Um, Congressman that he talks about in his leadership section of his website was Bill, I guess, Boner, Bonner, Ma, um, <laughs> all these other ones. Now, this one is very interesting. Panama presidential election for Panama City in 1989. So that one we really need to just straight up talk about. Um... So, 1989, Eller was part of international outreach for the coalition running against Manuel Noriega in the Panama presidential election after the United States had invaded Panama. Uh, Noriega was painted by the U.S. corporate media as a drug trafficking dictator in Panama. However, up until the end of the Cold War, Noriega was on the CIA's payroll. Eller was hired as a consultant for Guillermo, and Indara against Manuelrega, hired by whom that bit's unclear. I'm assuming the government did it, but if you want to learn more about Panama, this is a good uh, site, a good interview that Democracy Now did, and it really outlines um, what happened in Panama. So um, he was hired as a consultant. So of course he was right. But of course, during the 1990s, he worked with the Clinton administration, and he got more involved with the crisis management side of PR. He developed Public Relations Strategies, Public Strategies, Inc. Crisis and Litigation Practice. And in 2014, he founded the Jeff Eller Group. Eller was also a donor and former board member of the Texas Tribune. So because, um, so because this guy is very much clearly in the political 
establishment, particularly doing crisis management. He did crisis management, as we saw in the article for Goldman Sachs, Lockheed Martin, Firestone, Northrop Gunham, um, the GM ignition issue. It was only a ma matter of time, in my opinion, that he was going to do crisis management for a children detention center, Southwest Key. Um, so this is something I found while doing work in Houston. For those of you who don't know, I am actually a journalist. I do a lot of Houston-specific work. Um, that's why you see 90.1 KPFT. That's a, uh, a local news station that I've been reporting with. But I saw his name, and it's like, wow, this is a much bigger issue than just Houston. And you know what? <laughs> it gets even better. So I'm going to take you back to my trippy-ass desktop. And we're going to go over here. Worker charged with sexually molesting eight children at immigrant shelter. Right? So this was in August, and this was about Southwest Key. So I'm just going to do you know, just control F, Jeff, real quick. Um, so, in response to questions from ProRepublica, Jeff Eller, a spokesman for Southwest Key, wrote in an email he was unable to comment on specific cases. When he asked how the alleged actions could have escaped detection for 11 months, Eller didn't answer the question but said any employee accused of abuse is immediately suspended and law enforcement called. This is what we did in this case. Eller said the allegations were also reported, blah, blah, blah. In a response to about how the company could assure the public that children are safe in its facilities, Eller wrote, we find the premise of your question dishonorable. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. In response to a question about how the company could assure the public that the children are safe in its facilities, Eller wrote, we find the premise of your question dishonorable. So I need to, I, I really need to break that down for a second. I really find the premise of your question dishonorable. Okay, that is called gaslighting, right? Um, so I don't know if you follow the corporate media or any of the corporate goons. Um, as much as probably Jordan does. Um, but this is a classic sort of tactic, um, is just putting it back onto the person. It's like what you just said was dishonorable. Bitch, what was dishonorable was that you're excusing this molester to begin with. Like, how, how are you the spokesperson of a children detention center, number one, and two, how are you but like even considering that it's dishonorable on the reporter's part for asking how the, he's going to assure the public this won't happen again. Okay, so um, I'm still going to talk about this guy because I got one more juicy little thing for you. Uh, this guy was on the board for the Texas Tribune. Texas Tribune is actually one of my favorite publications in Texas. I tend to think they do a good job um, of actually reporting the truth. Um, I know that seems counterintuitive, considering this guy was on the board, but they do write an article about it addressing the hypocrisy of having a dude like that on the board while trying to write for truth and justice. Um, so... <laughs> while this guy was on the board, Jeff Eller, Jeff Eller, this ex-Clinton consultant, 
ex not even ex Clinton consult ex Clinton administration. This guy was was an an, an, blah, 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 an administrator person for the Clintons while they were in the White House. More specifically, facilitating communications. So, um, while he was on the board during the two. Uh, 2016 primaries came across something really interesting. So we're going to go back to my JPRS desktop and we're going to go over here. So this right here, the Sanders family quid pro quo and the GOP machine by Jay Eller, the polluted political trail to Sierra Blanca. Right, so this talks about the Texas-Vermont-Maine Nuclear Waste Compact. This was a big thing that Sanders did 20 years ago that I think was questionable. Um, that's one of the more um, questionable things Sanders did that I don't agree with. So he wrote this, um, you know, fast facts. And then, ooh, look over here. Bernie Sanders' nuclear waste votes divide Texas activists. And you go through, and it has a lot of the same talking points. Um, so the fast facts that are found in here can be found in here. Uh, my favorite thing about this article or this PDF was, uh, hold on. First of all, it's 30 pages, okay? So he, Jeff Feller, like, really, really went into this. Um, but my favorite thing is at the bottom of this, more to come. Please stay tuned, engaged. Meanwhile, be sure to check out Betting Bernie on Twitter, controlled by the people. Why does he have that in quotes? It's just weird. So, but at any rate, I found this little jewel about the Sierra, um, Pro quo, and unfortunately, I could not find a date on this. I mean, there's um, a hunger strike thing, but I didn't find a date when this particular piece was released. See, Bernie's sweet tooth. Like, I just, ugh. So that's, it's like, how, how was it that a lot of this same verbiage is also found over here in 2016 when when he was on the board of the Texas Tribune. So, okay, I'm going to go over to the chat real quick to see if anyone's chimed in. I have not been looking at the chat. I've just been talking and rambling and talking. Um, and while I'm talking and rambling and talking, you should do the GoFundMe. Um, let me go get that GoFundMe link for you real quick. Where did I put it? E Here you go. That'd be nice. Let's see. Oh, hey, Squirrel Lips. Thank you for the super chat. I missed it, but thank you. Mm, let's see. Ask Trillium Detention Centers when they get leased. Run. Okay, so nothing too interesting in the super chat, 
So I just wanted to, I mean, the super chat, in the super chat, just the regular chat, I just wanted to see what was going on. So just to clarify, if you're tuning in, I am Sam. I'm a journalist out of Houston. I've been working with Jordan for like the last two years now. Jordan's on vacation. And it's been a while since I've done a live video. I do actually have live videos on this channel, like stuff I've reported on. I just haven't been around in a while because of like personal life stuff I went into earlier. So up next, we're going to talk about, what did I promise next? Insulin protests. So this is something that was severely underreported. This happened in November, so I'm a little bit late on it. But I, the reason why I'm talking about it is because one, it's super important. And two, it was very, very tremendously underreported. And people deserve better than to be buried. Um, so this one comes from Truth Out. Oh, I guess I should show you the article. Desktop. Ah! This comes from truthout.org. Parents deliver ashes of diabetic children to price-gouging insulin manufacturer. So, here they are. Obscene profits killing our patients. Your high prices are killing people like my daughter. So in November, November 16th to be specific, a 26-year-old passed away. Uh, his name was Alec. He had type 1 diabetes. And he died last year after attempting to ration his ins insulin supply by cutting his doses to make it last longer. Along with Ellie Lilly, Novo Nordisk, Sanofi is one of the three major insulin manufacturers accused of gouging diabetes patients worldwide. So accused, they are gouging. Um, journalists have to put in words like accused and alleged to avoid getting sued, especially since um, there's no actual court thing saying that they are doing it. Sanofi's high prices are killing people like my son. I'm sick of them listening to my story than doing nothing. I'm not asking them to lower prices anymore. I'm demanding it. The parents were flanked by dozens of local diabetes patients, doctors, nurses, and students affiliated with Right Care Alliance a grassroots group fighting for a healthcare system that puts people over profits. The Democratic Socialists of American and Physician for National Health Program also organized the action. Police blocked protesters from approaching the office, but organizers negotiated with them to allow the parents to deliver the ashes of Alec and Antavia Lee Warsham, who also died while rationing insulin last year. Security guards then turned the parents away from the door, threatening them with arrest. All of Sanofi's employees had been sent home for the day. We shut them down. We think they're ashamed. They don't want to own up what they've done, and we are bound to continue the fight. So this is the fun part. When I say fun, I say it dripping with sarcasm. Insulin products cost very little to manufacture, but 
Prices have skyrocketed in recent years. A vial of insulin that once cost $25 now goes for about four or 500 Activists are demanding that Sanofi immediately lower the price of its insulin products by 90%. So it goes on. Insulin has been around for a century. It costs about $5 to manufacture. And there it is. So I just wanted to bring that up because, again, it's one of those things that's underreported. That's not something I wrote. The first story we talked about with uh, the Clinton and uh, the Clinton consultant and the children detention centers, that was my original reporting, but this one is not. And I think it's important that we talk about this because it not talking about it normalizes the price gouging that these companies are doing not talking about it in the in the article it talks about how the police turned away the parents and threatened them with arrest they weren't armed they weren't like it wasn't a, a so many parents it was three parents it was three parents being like here's the ashes of my dead kid because fucking thanks to you there's no way my kid could have afforded this. There's no way I could have afforded this for my kid. Um, now, I come from a family of diabetics. My mom's diabetic. My dad's diabetic. My godmother died from diabetes. So for me, this hits home. And I'm sure it does for you and a lot of other Americans because diabetes is one of the highest conditions, like most common conditions in the United States. And... Personally, I don't think that should be a surprise because it's largely systematic. And the truth is, the more lower class you are, the more chances you're going to have of having diabetes because you don't have access to food. Lower class people tend to live in food deserts. Food deserts don't have healthy food. Food deserts have shit like McDonald's and Burger King. They may not have a grocery store for 15, 20 minutes out of the way. I can walk to my grocery store and I live in the suburbs. I don't live in downtown. I don't live in a city. I live in a suburb and I could walk to a grocery store if I needed to. But that's not a right guaranteed to a lot of people. Um, so people are forced to eat junk food. People are forced to eat sugar. You know a bottle of Coca-Cola costs more than a bottle of water? So that's my rant on why I think the increase of diabetes in the United States <laughs> is systematic. Uh, um, but people should not have to be, should not be going to these companies and being like, here's, here's my kid's ashes. You need to lower insulin prices. Uh, so on that note, please share this video and donate to our GoFundMe. If you can, please. And you know, if you can't donate to our GoFundMe, that's okay. Just sharing the video is good enough. And the thing is, if you don't want to share this video in particular, it's okay. Just go through our YouTube channel. We have all different headlines you can pick and choose from and just share that. Super simple and that's a very easy way to help us out because social media oppression is real. Wow, it is real and it's such a hellscape. So we're going to go on, well before I go on to the next thing, I'm going to check out the chat.
Um, da 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 da. Here, Sam. Tweet your stuff. Hi. Yes. So I do tweet. I do Facebook. My handle is at Sam the Mullet. So business in the front, party in the back. Mullet. Lame. I know. I usually have purple hair, but since I've been unemployed, I haven't been able to like color my hair. My bangs are long and I'm just a mess but I'm getting a job soon so I'll add the purple back but anyway my handle is at Sam the mullet um, that's the same for Facebook that's the same for Instagram that's the same for Twitter so yes um, history of the world war is politics it's a sad and common thing to find out people are rationing their prescriptions because they can't afford it insulin is insanely expensive Elderly people do it too with their blood pressure meds. That was from Victoria Thomas, and that yeah, I've seen my grandmother do that. Um, it's wrong. It's not okay. Uh, da da da. Made us human. Beautiful girl. Thank you. Thanks. I like to think I'm pretty sometimes. Okay, so we're gonna go on to the next topic. Um, so there. Uh, among all of the shit happening in the world, we're also mining uranium. And we're doing it in a way that pollutes our waters and pollutes our land, right? And we're also doing it in a way that violates indigenous treaties. Um, but there was a win this week. I found this and I want to share it with you because we all need a win sometimes. So we are going to the desktop and going over here. This is the White Wolf Pack. Uh, I recommend following this group. They report specifically on indigenous news and it's fantastic. No uranium mining on sacred land. Big win for Pine Ridge Reservation. Um, let's see. So this place has a historical and cultural significance for tribal opponents of uranium mining at the landmark in northeastern Nebraska. Uh, Crow Butte. I, I don't believe it's Crow Butte, so I'm going to say Crow Butte, and if I'm wrong, I am so sorry. The Oglala Sioux tribe and activists scored a win when federal administrative judges ruled that Nuclear Regulatory Commission staff had failed to take a hard look at cultural resources in recommending renewal of uranium mining license for the Crow Butte mine near here. The decision delays permitting. The tribe intervening in the license renewal application for the mine in Dawes County, Nebraska, adjacent to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, argued that the staff recommended approval in violation of its rights under the National Historic Preservation Act and National Environment Protection Act, or NEPA. Resolving in favor of the tribe's argument, an oversight panel established by the Atomic Licensing and Safety Board ruled the NRC staff has not met its identification obligations under two laws, nor has the NRC staff in its environmental assessment undertaken a hard look under NEPA at cultural resources within the license area. Uh, the board requests the staff remedy its non-compliance. In other words, go back to the drawing board and address the tribal concerns over historical and cultural sites of relevance before permitting.
So Nancy Kyle, an Ogala activist in the Sisterhood to Protect Sacred Water, which is based in the mining-impacted town of Crawford, Nebraska, said the ruling is a case of the oversight panel making government personnel follow the rules they should have initially. Crown Butte Mine is decades-old project of the world's largest publicly traded uranium mining company, the Canadian Chemeco Corp, which is facing federal tax-dodging allegations in its home country and an investigation by the IRS over $32 million in the U.S. back taxes. The company is reducing uranium well-filled development in its Wyoming operation as its stock's values are crashing. So, also, if you're surprised to see that we have a Canadian company doing this, I wouldn't be surprised because the fact is, um, Canada is neoliberal as fuck. Like, Trudeau, he is such a neoliberal shill. He is like Obama incarnate, only kind of worse. Um, because, <laughs> like, he's just so cool, but he lets all of this uh, mining and oil, the Kinder Morgans, the U United States Kinder Morgans are currently in Canada messing with indigenous lands up there and the Canadian government isn't doing anything about it. Um, so a lot of the things we do down here, we also do in Canada. In Canada, they put their companies down here and we just kind of like sit back and let international corporations just mess in each other's countries and it's fine because they're all systematically connected under global capitalism <sighs> so but anyway that's a real win for the indigenous tribe the indigenous tribe they they got the folks to go back to the drawing board and to reconsider the Oglala's uh, tribes and what they want, what they need as far as the cultural stuff goes. Now, I am going to follow up on it because as you've seen in some of, other, some of Jordan's reporting, is that just because we have a win does not mean that the corporation isn't going to continue on. We saw that with the Keystone Pipeline. We saw that in Louisiana. With the, they didn't even have permission to be on the private property. They didn't even have the permits, and they were still pushing through and putting that permit on. I mean, putting that pipeline in. Um, so, but that is a win, and I just want to remind everyone, since we're talking about indigenous groups, that indigenous women are missing. Um, these pipelines are also are also dangerous to reservations and indigenous women because anytime there's a pipeline construction goes up or mining or anything of the sort there are these things called man camps and they're exactly what they sound like a man camp is a group of men camping out near the pipeline near the mine and they go into the reservation and they literally steal women and rape them and they go missing there's a lot of missing indigenous women and even though this is a great win for the Oglala tribe in northeastern Nebraska, we need to remember that one of the big reasons, aside from, you know, people, people, the government straight up violating indigenous uh, Indian reservations and treaties, this puts indigenous women in imminent danger. Um, so what it... A lot of the times people think, oh, you know, 
they don't want people mining their land. They don't want water is life, right? They don't want any uh, environmental disaster to happen to their land. It's it's not just that, right? It's not just that. It's not just upholding treaties, but it's also about the indigenous women that get murdered and killed and go missing every time something like this happens. So this is a big win. I'm going to follow up with it to make sure they aren't still pushing through with it anyway. Um, and that's all I've got for this evening. So if you can go to the GoFundMe and drop in a dollar, like, please, just one dollar. It does not have to be five dollars. It does not have to be ten dollars. It can just be one dollar. One dollar, please. One dollar is what I need. So that'd be very nice. Um... Let's see, that's all I got. I'm going to go into the chat to see if anyone's talking. Um, oh, let's see. La, 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 la. Yeah, men go on the reservations too, and women aren't protected by police there. No, women are not protected by police at all. And it's very underreported about the systematic oppression that indigenous women face. It's it's really quite awful. Meat makes you strong. Wow, Apex, you've got issues. Alright. Yes. Okay, so that's all I've got. Um, I'll be back around. Um, I need to get back into the groove of doing live videos and talking with you guys. And now that I finally have a structure where my depression doesn't eat me whole, I think it'll be, it'll be good. So that's all I got, and I'll see you around. Bye-bye!